when you're having uh, a human interaction with people through your preferred medium, it just makes your life easier. And, and we've discovered that um, putting texting between what would have been a physical conversation took out some of the emotion that some of these uh, representatives sometimes had to dealt with and deal with when people were highly frustrated. You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. I'm excited today to have our guest, Nick Drake, Global VP of Marketing uh, at Google on our podcast here. Uh, thanks for joining us, Nick. Maybe you can tell us a bit about your background and you know, what you do at Google. <laughs> hey, Jason, how are you doing? Uh, well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm currently uh, VP of Global Marketing at Google. I get to uh, market some of our most exciting products from Android to Chrome to Google Play to more recently Google Photos. Um, prior to that, I was EVP of Marketing and Experience at uh, T-Mobile. Um, we had an exciting transformation uh, while I was there from uh, 2015 uh, to when I left in uh, 2019. Great, Nick. So, you know, generally we kick off, uh, you know, our podcast with what we call the big question. But Nick, you know, I, I thought today we'd sort of, you know, switch up a little bit uh, and instead just sort of, you know, go on a bit of a, a journey, you know, through your career. And uh, you know, I think there's some, you know, some really good nuggets for our listeners today to learn uh, around how, uh, you know, digital transformation uh, you know, plays into the role of the modern CMO and uh, talk about some of the work you did there at T-Mobile and what you learned from a, uh, a digital and experience and a data perspective. Uh, and then talk a bit more about, you know, some of the work at Google uh, and really where that's heading and really the future of data and how, how it relates to customer experiences in particular around connected devices and, you know, and, and some of the amazing things around where Android is today as an example. Uh, but maybe kicking things off, maybe you can just sort of talk about you know, where things started for you at, at T-Mobile and what sort of the directive was and what the state of the world was across data uh, and digital experiences when you joined and what, your, and what some of your big initiatives were, uh, you know, when you set out on that aspect of your, your, your journey. Yeah, the T-Mobile the, the journey was a really exciting one. I joined uh, just after the Uncarrier journey had begun. Um, Uncarrier was a, a term that our CEO, John Ledger, had coined um, and really allowed us to be a counterpoint to everybody else in the um, carrier space or the wireless space, selling mobile. And uh, the notion that John came with was that uh, mobile was broken and the way that we were selling it was crazy. In fact, I think he stood on a stage at CES right at the beginning of the journey and said that, if aliens descended from Mars and humanity had been wiped out and they were trying to figure out how we lived and existed and they saw how we were selling wireless, they would jump straight back into their spaceship and fly back to where they came again. And, and he went on this mission, as he said, to fix a stupid, broken and arrogant industry. Th this rhetoric was really empowering for the team. Um, it allowed us to look at things very differently and take some bigger swings that what was once per perhaps a quite traditional industry wasn't well known for, particularly in the space of disruption and innovation. So I, I was originally employed by um, Mike Sievert, uh, who was the uh, COO and president of the company at that time, uh, is now uh, the CEO. 
to come around what was loosely called the digital team, um, which was really indicative of the state of um, T-Mobile's digital capabilities. Everything that didn't quite have a home had been thrown into one pot. So largely that was responsibility for um, our web, app, uh, telesales, um, but really sitting at the heart of that was a bigger ask, which was if we're going to continue on this uncarrier journey and fundamentally changing the way that wireless is sold to customers, we have to meet them where they're spending their time. And, and this meant we required a, a huge digital transformation. I think T-Mobile, like many other companies at that time, had tried other routes to achieving that. And um, you know, we had had armies of uh, consultants sitting in separate buildings, building a mirror version of our current business that we would one day migrate to. And I think like many businesses, we were growing so quickly, there was never a time that intersection was going to occur and we, we needed to try something else. And so I was very fortunate to be part of um, a larger company mandate uh, where we um, authored a burning platform. You know, At the heart of it, we really pointed out that you know, 61% of Fortune 500 companies since 2000 have just completely disappeared because they had been disrupted. And so we needed to disrupt ourselves or become disrupted. And so based off that burning platform, uh, we built um, a multifaceted plan that my group played a significant role in uh, driving uh, T-Mobile's transformation. And, and that became my primary mandate um, for a few years. As we thought about the digital transformation, uh, there was a really exciting opportunity to mirror the company's core purpose and the reason for its success in uh, winning back customers. And, and that was really led by our ability to listen to customers and do what they were telling us. But as we thought about our digital transformation, we saw a much bigger opportunity to democratize our first party data and make it freely available to all parts of the business, making sure that we were reading the same data sets, the same set of analytics, and ultimately the same set of insights that allowed us to move much faster in changing the experiences that our customers were demanding that we paid attention to across the business holistically. And I think like many legacy companies, we had over 400 different repositories that needed to be migrated into a singular and robust set. Uh, we had to go find ourselves a CDP um, and we had to change the way that our analytics team appeared within the business, not in one vertical silo that belonged to one organization, but a shared resource, a lifeblood of our organization um, that was freely available to every aspect of the business. Um, and it was really exciting to... Um, sit and think about how we might from scratch begin to evolve the way um, our business showed up in, um, in new ways that was really customer centric and um, you know, various leading indicators quickly changed over a very short period of time. Whether it was reducing our web clicks to purchase from, believe it or not, 82 down to 12, um, or seeing our CSAT score in our um, app move from a miserable 3.2 stars to 4.7 stars uh, in, in just a few months. And, you know, 
uh, as I look back, I think, um, you know, Uncaria was really uh, the, the guiding North Star or the principle from which the entire transformation was led and allowed us to turn many things on their heads and rather than try and take existing processes and make them work for new ways of bringing technology to bear in the business, bring brand new processes and organization to bear uh, on working with these uh, new tools and applications. Great, yeah, and and so maybe we can dive a bit more into some of the the data support. And I always reflect back on you know, the notion of customer centricity and and really just some of the work that it took to get you know, you know what was you know, previously legacy workflows that required whatever eighty five clicks uh, you know, to get to, to sign up or to troubleshoot an issue and, and bring that down to something which is uh, you know, much more fluid. Um, yeah, you know, but when you sort of think about some of the challenges, I mean, in some sense, it's you know, you know, for our listeners, you know, you're listening on, they can be like, oh, well, obviously the workflow was no good. You know, how is this a data problem? You know, this doesn't seem that challenging. Maybe you can give us a bit more insight into, you know, some of the data you collected, some of the insights you garnered, and uh, and then maybe beyond that, sort of what the team and support actually looked like to affect uh, these outcomes. Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot there. Um, I, I think, first and foremost, I should credit uh, a gentleman called Giles Richardson, uh, who we hired to the organization to run our analytics uh, center of excellence. Um, I'd come across Giles at the Adobe Summit, and uh, he had presented a speech called Superstar DJs. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's worth looking at. I think he did it in 2016. Um, but really, the, the essence of Giles's transformation at the Royal Bank of Scotland was trying to make data sexy and get the organization excited about uh, the new capability and what a, um, a new data practice may do to their business uh, in a variety of different ways. And, and Giles's notion was that a superstar DJ is constantly listening to its audience. And so the set that a superstar DJ would play in Miami would be different to New York, would be different to Japan. And he applied that notion to various products um, and the way that the business was constantly listening adapting and changing our business. So uh, Giles brought that thinking, but evolved the notion at T-Mobile and, and built a new program called Host. Uh, but essentially, um, from an organizational perspective, um, we did a number of foundational things. The first was we completely rebuilt our internal environment. In other words, when I first arrived, I had a cubicle and all I could see was other cubicles. It felt like death by cubicle in there. And so we built an agile work environment where we ripped all of that away and had um, open agile space that allowed for um, uh, all the key members of a journey team to sit together. And every day was started with a stand up and we built Kanban boards and we had coaches in the room. And so it seems strange to be talking about such a physical item in a conversation regarding data, but it, it always comes back to the human beings in the first instance while you set up all the necessary automation and get focused on the parts of the business where uh, you can have the greatest effect. Um, so part one was, was building the right environment. Part two was making sure that each journey team, and we prioritize journeys uh, based on where could we have the most effectiveness in the shortest period of time so we could build belief amongst our leadership team and, and T-Mobile's board. And each team was assigned a host um, that uh, produced a dashboard from which we had very clear KPIs. And then we started that traditional loop of 
what's working against those KPIs, what are we going to go iterate, run the tests, and go back through the loop again, which I'm sure everyone's familiar with. But the fact that we had cross-functional team members placed together for the very first time in this kind of environment that nurtured this new way of working uh, was was, uh, pretty foundational. And then what became exciting was that I think like many companies, we had a fairly significant relationship uh, with a marketing technology provider. Um, And we had set ourselves some very grand aspirations. And it became important to make sure that we removed some of that and made them uh, more manageable, clearly defined, achievable goals. And by working with some smaller specialist providers, we began to get runs on the board overlaid on uh, the larger uh, instance that was being put in at that time. And so um, I I think um, becoming really precise on um, where are we going to see the short-term improvements in our business, things like let's have an amazing customer service app, let's take the pain out of our web experience, let's begin to connect the online to offline um, and allow customers to buy online and pick up in store and you know, make sure that the logistics team bought into that vision and were able to change the way that they served retail stores so we could uh, deliver those experiences um, became you know, really imperative to that success versus we'll get there in six years, just hold on and you'll see the results. Yeah, and we've certainly seen you know, that you know, orientation around best of breed solutions uh, you know, as sort of a trend in the market. I think Gartner does a, a survey every single year around you know, do you prefer to work with a you know, single solution uh, marketing cloud provider that does everything, or do you sort of you like to pick and choose your products and, and SaaS applications? And certainly the trend is towards the latter. And to your point, um, you know, Nick, I mean, one of the things that we see is you know, you know, while there is comfort in going with a single solution marketing cloud provider, the journey to get there is multi, multi years. Yes. You know, and, and agility can you know, generally be. Uh, had much more more quickly with sort of choosing your own uh, own path. And there's another trend that you, you picked on, I think is also important to note, we've talked about in previous episodes, and that's this sort of trade-off between um, you know, self-service and full-service analytics. And for, you know, when I sort of hear about your story and where T-Mobile was at the time, it's very interesting how I think, uh, you, know, they, you know, you sort of adopted a full-service model, which was really necessary for a business that was undergoing a digital transformation, had a lot of new data assets in place, you know, also culturally was trying to, completely rethink the, you know, the frame of reference around what was being optimized. You know, it's not about, you know, dollars, um, you know, per square foot in a retail location. Uh, it's about customer lifetime value and customer satisfaction, customer engagement. Uh, you know, and that transformation, uh, adopting a full service model where you have, as you call it, superstar DJs, you know, who are embedded in teams, you understand what's going on, uh, you know, both at a technical level, you know, but can also bridge the technicalities you know, into the business considerations, you know, I think is, is really the way to go uh, you're, if you're at the early stages uh, of these sorts of transformations. You know, we've seen so many stories where folks try to you know, build self-service systems and the organization just isn't ready for it, you know, you know, you know either technically, culturally, organizationally, uh, you know, or strategically. So. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I remember, you know, the conversation where we, we tried to break down how we viewed AI and and it was really important to sort of take this crawl walk run approach um, to you know harnessing the benefits of this level of orchestration. You know, it was sort of a commentary on you know what's happening now. You know, give us some perception 
And then it's sort of moving to what do I need to know, getting notifications on things. And then, you know, should we recommend something, make a suggestion was sort of the next step. And then um, what should I always do? You know, some level of automation in the business and then moving to prediction, you know, what can I expect to happen? And then getting to prevention, you know, stopping some of those things from happening. Um, and then, you know, what do I do, need to do right now? Situational awareness. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the areas where that became most evident was um, we, we had an opportunity to completely rethink customer care. And um, you, you know, normally when customer care is becoming digitally transformed, the first place everyone goes is job loss. You know, you know, efficiency means that human beings are no longer going to be around. And I think in wireless, um, you know, as, as with many legacy companies, um, we had uh, a traditional IVR model where you would make a call, you sat with an automated voice and some horrific elevator music for an ungodly amount of time. And then eventually may get in touch with a human being who should be able to help you in some way. And so the disruption that occurred was, first of all, let's get rid of the IVR and give you an ability to directly connect to a team whose faces you could see in your app, um, called your team of experts who were based in your location. So could have a conversation with you about the weather or a local sports team, or at least have some context as to what's happening to you in that moment in time and create a relationship. But more importantly, what was happening behind the scenes was, um, you weren't um, or didn't need to even make the call. We introduced asynchronous messaging. And what sat behind that um, was um, intent-based analytics that looked at how in urgent were those messages and allowed our representatives to handle up to 14 different messages at one time where previously they would just be on a call. So it made their time much more efficient and pay attention to those which were super urgent and get back to those because it was asynchronous and the messaging channel was just left open once established um, at a time that maybe befit everyone um, you know, more suitably. And the effects of being able to apply something like that were really extraordinary. Um, you know, as you would expect, NPS you know, rose by uh, 60%. Um, we were able to reduce customer churn by 39%. But I think what we were most proud of is that our own employee happiness rose um, and our employee churn went down because guess what? When you're having uh, a human interaction with people through your preferred medium, it just makes your life easier. And, and we've discovered that um, putting texting between what would have been a physical conversation took out some of the emotion that some of these uh, representatives sometimes had to dealt with and deal with when people were highly frustrated and people become more reasonable on text message and, and take a little bit of time to consider what they want to say and, and how they say it. And so all round, you know, if you, if you look at this particular part of the, the, the digital transformation, it was really great to see the business be able to adopt something, you know, as, as what, that could have been intimidating to our employees and make it a superpower. In fact, the, I believe that the, the team colloquially called it Jarvis, there's this notion of Iron Man by having a superpower helping you become a better human being, which I thought was a lovely way of looking at it.
Yeah, no, I mean, it's, a, it's really a great example. And, you know, at Simon, we always say that the future of brand marketing is, you know, is really driving deep, personalized and thoughtful experiences. Uh, and yeah. the thing about this story, you know, in the T-Mobile uh, you know, examples you just went through is it's really sort of a, a, a matter of show to tell. You know, the brand hierarchy is the uncarrier carrier. You know, but to execute on that properly, you actually have to go and demonstrate, hey, you know, we're not some, you know, telco that, you know, you know treats you like, uh, you know, a ticket where you wait three hours and uh, you get overcharged and the service is no good. You actually have to get in there, uh, you know, and, and show that, you know, you can live up to, you know, to the dream and the value. So, uh, you know, so execution is key and the details, you know, are, are numerous. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think, you know, it's an old adage, but I think T-Mobile probably did it better than most places, which was, if you think about, you know, people, process, uh, technology and culture being the pillars of a transformation, we were able to take the people and culture and put it first, uh, which was really what the Uncarrier was all about. And if you take care of the human element, it, funnily enough, it speeds up the digital transformation element because uh, technology will evolve. It just will. It just depends on the pace that you can evolve it. Um, and as you add the right data practice and the right ability to focus on the parts of the business where your customers want you to pay attention and give your human beings the right tools and freedom to make those fast decisions um, and work with their adjacent partners that are required to get there with autonomy, everything started moving much faster than the way that we had been structured as a legacy business. Um, and, you know, I, I will always carry that with me, which, you know, of course, put the human beings first. Uh, yeah. So, Nick, you know, you know, you sort of made the move to Google. Um, I think it's probably a couple of years ago now. You know, and I know that you know, you know, some of the big initiatives that you're working on there you know, are also data related. Uh, you know, certainly the customer experience is central. Uh, you're certainly a very different brand, you know, very different sort of uh, background. Um, yeah, but maybe you can sort of touch on. Uh, you know, some of the, the focal points around the customer experience at Google. And you know, I know ambient computing is a big uh, point of focus for you, know, for you and your role. And, and just talk about what that means uh, you know, from the customer experience from a data perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there were, there were a couple of things that I was immediately excited about when I arrived at Google. I think the first, and you know, I, I touched upon this at T-Mobile as well, was um, I was really blown away by uh, the company's investment in AI and some of the extraordinary things that Google have been developing. Um, I think an example of that, you know, particularly in my team, uh, has been some of the advances on on-device computing that had enabled things like computational photography, helping photograph darker skin tones. We released um, a new technology in the Pixel 6 called Realtone uh, that allows darker skin tones to be captured in the same way that lighter skin tones have been historically. And then you see other things like live captioning on-device that helps with accessibility, etc. But as you think about on-compute processing power, ambient computing immediately comes to mind and was the other thing that really captured my attention. I guess you probably should start with a a definition. There seems to be many out there, but um, it's sort of a broad term, I think, that describes an environment of smart devices, data, AI decisions, and human activity that enables um, a computer's actions to live alongside daily life without the need necessarily in the future for direct human commands or intervention. Essentially, computers quietly take care of the stuff in the background. And, you know, Google's mission has always been to create 
helpful computing. And when your devices work together with, you know, services and AI, so help is everywhere um, in a way fluid, um, technology just sort of fades into the background and you don't need it. Um, so the devices are the, you know, aren't at the center of a system, you know, the human being is. And, you know, I, I when thinking about the Android ecosystem, you know, we have to be cognizant that I think the average household now has 21 connected devices in it. And that's up from 2019 where you know, it was around about 11. And so this year we've really focused on what I would call the beginnings of ambient. Um, and, and we announced at CES this notion of better together, but we've really focused on how do your things, uh, your phone, your watch, your laptop, your car, your home hub, your Nest device, your Fitbit, how do they begin to live together more easily? And so I think probably most of us are already experiencing ambient computing without knowing it as you know, you experience things like fast pairing or digital car keys or completing tasks, you know, sharing across devices, et cetera, uh, where you start on one device and finish on another, uh, which is the beginnings of a incredibly helpful and exciting sort of computing future. Um, in regards to data, um, you know, this is where I'm glad to be back as a marketeer. Uh, there's far more qualified and smarter people than I am that are dealing with the challenges of how to perform analytics and the management of physical objects, um, you know, thinking about low level events and to detect signals and predict uh, an outcome over time. Um, I get to call that magic. And, uh, you know, it's really what happens when a user feels our products deliver some, something extraordinarily helpful. You get that feeling of magic where technology wasn't evident. And um, to get to tell that narrative as we deliver ever increasingly more helpful uh, ambient device experiences um, is really great fun. As, as a Google Pixel owner, uh, you know, I can certainly attest to some of the you know, you know, amazing functionality uh, around you know, you know, automatically uh, picking up songs that might be in the background and putting them on my lock screen, you know, to even just how Google News integrates seamlessly with you know, my search history and everything else. You know, I sort of look at the opportunity in front of us. You know, I think we're really in the early in the early days. And you know, for those that, you know, for our listeners today, you may not you know, realize you know, Google also acquired you know, you know, you know, the Nest thermostats several years back. Uh, and that's just sort of one of many you know, initiatives on top of you know, the proliferation of Android you know, embedded devices everywhere, you know, including, you know, I'd imagine, most you know, TVs at this point. Yeah, exactly right. I didn't know that you're a pixel owner. I've got to put you into the beta program. Uh, amazing. <laughs> Great. So we're approaching the top of the hour here, um, you know, or the top of the show, I should say. And, 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 and first, Nick, thank you for coming uh, on the podcast today and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, when I reflect on you know, the, the conversation we just had, it's really inspiring, you know, because in some sense, it represents you know, two journeys. Uh, you know, one, you know, one which is very familiar to all of us. Uh, you know, you know, and, and that's really, uh, you, know, you know, you look at it, you know, that, that really starts with a lot of the brands, uh, you know, that we've, we've, we've interfaced with for many, many years and, uh, you know, a story around T-Mobile and there have been other success stories as well that have completely revolutionized the way they've digitized their experiences, uh, you know, really taking everything from their retail to their support models to their customer experience orientations and transform them 180 degrees uh, and put real horsepower and technology behind it. And then you have a second story around Google, which, you know, in many ways represents future state, uh, you know, around ambient computing. And Nick, we should have you back on 
uh, you know, next year and a few years from now, uh, where we can sort of you do a follow on to say, hey, you know, these are the types of, of next generation you know, digital experiences that everyone in, you know, in, in, on our podcast can relate to. You know, but when I sort of look at you know, what's possible, uh, you know, I can only imagine, uh, you know, from a data perspective, the scale is you know, really just never, ne- never been seen before. With that, if people wanted to learn more about you know, some of the work you're doing at, at, at Google uh, or about ambient computing or about sort of this new world of IoT or, or embedded devices you know, with Android, you know, where should they go to learn more? I mean, is there you know, sort of a support page at Google? You know, what, what do you recommend for just sort of general resources for our listeners of the podcast? There's an amazing resource called Think with Google. Um, and so we have various experts talk about these sort of topics um, and they're really fun bite-sized videos um, that uh, I would recommend people go have a look at. They're, they're a great source of information. Great. And thank you for everyone listening to this episode of the Data Online podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about Simon Data, please visit, visit us on the web at simondata.com or email us at hello at simondata. You've been listening to the Data Unlocked. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.